In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbor well, to protect the most vulnerable among us, and to reduce the strain on the healthcare workers of our community, we are continuing to suspend in-person worship service and instead will be worshiping via podcast. Now, this week is a, a little bit different. Usually we gather uh, on Zoom to record our podcast on Saturday morning, uh, but Saturday morning, February the 13th, uh, most of us woke up to not having any power. And so using what technology we could, as long as our batteries held out, uh, we put together as much of this podcast as we were able to. So this is not going to be what we usually have put together, uh, the way that we usually worship, but nonetheless, the Spirit of God is present because the Holy Spirit is the one through whom we worship. We worship Jesus Christ. We worship the glory of God the Father, bringing the best of our our creativity, the best of our words, the best of our, our voices, and the the glories of earth and offer them to the glories of heaven. That's what worship is. And so it doesn't matter if if it's not what we what we usually have put together or not the way we always do things. Jesus Christ is going to be proclaimed. We are going to pray, we are going to sing, and by the end of it we are going to know that we serve a loving good good father through his son, Jesus Christ, and we praise him through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within each and every one of us. Before we go on, I'd like to pray for everybody in the greater Oregon City area, uh, for Malala, Happy Valley, any of the, the areas around uh, where, where people live that have been affected by the ice storm. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father God, We know that you are in control. We know that you have created all things and that all things are sustained through you. But we also know that our creation, just like us, is subject to brokenness and and fallenness. And we don't understand why there are ice storms that knock out power, that bring down uh, the branches of trees, sometimes even onto people's houses, Lord. We don't know why this happens. We don't understand. But Lord, we ask for your grace this morning. We ask for your presence and your grace and your mercy to be with those who have been the the worst affected by this ice storm, by those who uh, are having trouble getting to or from uh, jobs that have already been made more difficult by the pandemic, We pray for those who uh, will go to uh, fire departments and hospitals or uh, who work for the power company and who will put their lives on the line, both in travel and in their work, uh, in service of other people, people they've never met. And Lord, we know that this is a very sacrificial type of love. Lord, be with them. Give them your strength. Give them your mercy. Lord, to those who, uh, who have had property damage, damage to their homes, damage to, to automobiles, uh, we, we pray for uh, the help and the resources they need 
to be able to rebuild and recover. Uh, that you would provide the, the help of your people, the church, whenever possible. We pray that, uh, that you would, your presence would be with them, that they would know that you are there, that you are strengthening them and lifting them up. Lord, we pray for those without a home. We pray for those who already live on the margins of our society, for those who find places to sleep wherever they can, find sources of food wherever they're able, the people that we feed through our Hope Food Pantry, Lord. Lord, we pray for the, the, those who are without homes, that they could find their way to warming shelters or to places that will welcome them in and give them safety. And Lord, we pray as we worship this morning that you would be with those who are sick in our midst. We pray for those who are already ailing, who are already recovering from uh, injury, from illness, from cancer, uh, who, are, who are undergoing treatment, Lord. And we pray that you would continue to uh, be with them, that you would draw near to them, uh, even in this time of of storms and, and uncertainty. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ because you love us so much that you wanted to live among us, to redeem us, to rescue us, and to renew this world that we live in so that we can see your goodness and glory and that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the goodness of who you are. Lord, help us to worship you this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Just a couple of things that I want to draw your attention to today. Uh, there will not be a Zoom coffee hour for Sunday, February the 14th. Uh, we don't know when power is going to be coming back on in the area, and so we just felt it would be most appropriate to uh, postpone that for this week. Coming up on Tuesday, we will have something new uh, in the, uh, the church podcast. It is going to be a conversations podcast with Melissa Mellinger, our director of worship and youth, and I. It will be called Midweek Musings, and we'll release at some point on Tuesday. Our first episode is going to be called Last Minute Lent, uh, what to do if you had not considered what to do for Lent yet. So you can listen to that wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Uh, it will be available uh, in due time uh, on Tuesday. So you can listen for that then. And it's a, it's a big week for the church because Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, which begins Lent, the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter, as we prepare our hearts, our lives, and our world uh, for the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, at the end of Holy Week. And so on Wednesday, we usually would have an Ash Wednesday service, uh, but being that we are uh, not worshiping in person right now, we will have a podcast worship service available for Ash Wednesday. Um, if, you, if you want to impose ashes upon yourself, you can do that, uh, but we won't be offering that this year. And then next Sunday is a Lord's Table Sunday, but since it's the third Sunday of the month, we will be having curbside communion. So from 11.30 to 12.30, if you'd like to receive communion, uh, we will be serving it with all of the 
the usual safety precautions with masks and distancing uh, at the 9th Street side of the church. Uh, again, that is next week, February the 21st, uh, from 11.30 to 12.30, curbside communion at the church. We hope you're doing well. Uh, whether you get to listen to this on uh, Sunday, February the 14th, or whenever your power back comes back on, we are praying for you. We are, are wishing you the absolute uh, best of all, of all circumstances, and we hope and pray that you are encouraged through the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ.
scripture reading for today comes from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 15 through 30, and then 39 through 42. Again, that's the book of John, chapter 4, verses 15 through 30, then 39 through 42. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they went out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the word, world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. She'd gone to the well at noon because she didn't want to run into anybody else, and to be honest, it wasn't likely that anybody else wanted to run into her. She kind of had a reputation around town. Five husbands, and the guy that she was living with was not her husband. But as she walks up to the well, here's a, a man resting there. He looks tired, because he is. 
And he's gone to the well because he's thirsty. And she arrives. And he treats her like a person. He speaks to her. Never mind that he is a a man and she is a woman. And uh, the interaction between the two of them, especially with him being a holy man, was not something that usually happened. He spoke to her like a person, never mind the fact that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan and their their groups of people had not gotten along very well, to put it mildly. But there she is, and there he is. And he asks her for a drink. And he treats her like a human being rather than somebody else or rather than just another person. He gives her the time of day, and and he even says that he knows where to get living water. And at that time, living water meant fresh spring water rather than well water. And she wanted him to take her to that living water. As we approach this passage today, and when we we come to the, the conclusion of Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well, we see an interaction between two people that starts off one way and ends up in a completely different place. It started off with uh, Jesus asking for a drink and, and ended last week where we left off with her asking for living water, not knowing that the living water was the, the, the refreshing life of the Spirit that comes from a life filled with Jesus, a well that never runs dry. But she asks him, and Jesus says something curious. He sends her to go get her husband. And as I said earlier, the, the man that she was living with was not her husband. And we don't know what this woman had been through. We know her history, but we don't know how each of those divorces happen. And we know from being human now, and we know from from knowing people who are divorced now, that it's not an easy thing and it leaves a mark of trauma. And sometimes uh, that trauma is healed and processed through with uh, with other brothers and sisters in Christ, with a with a pastor. And, and sometimes it's not. And, and sometimes that trauma can lead to just more trauma. And so we have no idea what the nature of these other five marriages was. But here's this woman. And Jesus knows her. As she was walking up to the well, before she was walking up to the well, Jesus knows her. Earlier in, in the book of John, A man named Philip had decided to follow Jesus, and he went to tell his friend Nathaniel about this man that could be the Messiah. And reluctantly, Nathaniel goes, but as Nathaniel walks up to Jesus, Jesus already knows who Nathaniel is. And Nathaniel is astonished and follows Jesus. But this woman isn't going to be quite so easily convinced. Because Jesus knows about her, and so she calls him a prophet. But yet, she starts to kind of 
bring in some other arguments here. Because sometimes whenever we get hurt, whenever we get put on the defensive, uh, we start to, to bring up things that will change the subject. And so she brings up this question of worship between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jewish worship was established in Jerusalem, whereas Samaritan worship was established on Mount Gerizim, or as it's known in the Jewish Torah, Mount Ebal. And she says that Jesus' forefathers, uh, his ancestors said that, that worship had to happen in Jerusalem, but hers said that it had to happen at Mount Gerizim. And what did Jesus think? She was bringing up those old battle lines because she, she was hurt, she was wounded, and, and she was trying to bring up something else. And in both situations, Jesus very calmly knows exactly what to do and exactly what to say. He, he points to the fact that a time is coming and it now, in fact, is present when those who truly want to worship God won't be limited by Mount Zion, uh, the hill that the temple was built on. They won't be uh, limited by Mount Gerizim, where, where Samaritan worship happened, that those who worship God will truly worship in spirit and in truth. He points clearly to who God is because there's something about him that she doesn't know yet. And so she says, again, on the defensive, because she's made a point that she thinks is very important, uh, the difference between Jewish and Samaritan worship. And he has, uh, has gently countered that and had, has put up a different viewpoint. And so she finally just says, well, you know what? The Messiah is going to come at some point, And when he comes, he's going to sort it out. And in two words, three really, as it, as it is in the New Living Translation, Jesus clears that up for her. He simply says, I am he. And that was all she needed to hear. Because the Samaritans used the Torah. The Samaritans knew I am. They knew the, the, the divine name of God, the Tetragrammaton, as it's called. Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, otherwise spoken as I am originally to Moses. And between that and what he knew about her and what he had said about worshiping in spirit and truth, it, it kind of all came together for her. It was enough. The disciples had come back and, and they're seeing this, this scene of Jesus talking to the woman, which again, crossed a lot of boundaries. But that wasn't what got her running. What got her running? She left her water jug. Her water jug's sitting there by the well, and she goes running off because she realizes who she's talking to. She realizes it from the way that Jesus has spoken to her and the answers that he's given her and the way that she's, he's treated her and what he knew about her. And she runs off to tell people that there is a man who knew everything about her. And he's over at the well right now. 
And the town of Sychar empties out to come and, and see Jesus. And you would assume, though we don't know for sure, that the man that she was living with, who was not her husband, was one of the people who ran out to meet Jesus. And they meet Jesus and they, they hear from Jesus and they ask Jesus to stay. And Jesus stays. And as Jesus stays, their initial belief that came from hearing what the woman had to say about Jesus knowing everything about her was transformed into a belief in Jesus and knowing that he's the savior of the world. They have professed the same faith in Jesus that those of us who follow Jesus today have professed. Those people in Sychar are our our brothers and sisters in Christ because they acknowledge that Jesus is the savior of the world. Now, there's some things that we need to look at within this passage. And there are some things that we need to look at as how it applies to our life. Because Jesus is the savior of the world. And by the end of the book of John, by the end of each gospel, Jesus has been crucified as Israel's Messiah and resurrected as the Lord of heaven and earth as the one to whom all authority has been given. So when we look at this and we go back, let's go back to the the beginning of the passage that we read today, where Jesus points out the brokenness. Because in these moments, in in, in every part of this exchange, Jesus is present. I mean, of course he's present because he's sitting there, but you know as well as I do, if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who wasn't fully present, you know. If if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who was poking at their phone or looking at the television um, and they're they're giving you just those one-word answers because they know you're saying something, you know people can be not quite there, not quite present. And it's not just that Jesus is paying attention. It's that Jesus has brought himself into this situation. Jesus is the living temple. He is where God and humanity meet. The the temple was where the glory of the Lord dwelt. And Jesus is God. And Jesus is man. It It is God and man at one meeting point. And this this God and man meeting point, this temple has met this woman tired and thirsty. And Jesus yet has brought his presence. In the presence of Jesus is love. In the presence of Jesus is justice and peace and joy and mercy and goodness. All of these things happen in Jesus' presence. The forgiveness of sins, reconciliation between two people. This is what happens when Jesus is present. And in this conversation, Jesus is going to be fully present to this woman at the well. 
He's going to be present to her personal brokenness. He's going to be present to societal brokenness. He's going to be present to all of the times that she tries to dodge her way through this conversation. He's going to be present to her her checkered past, her awful history, the trail of traumas, and to to the bad choices that she has made and will continue to make. And he's going to be present to all of this history that she knows of the differences between uh, Jews and Samaritans in their worship and in their beliefs. And he's going to bring her into worship of the living God. Because in worship of God, we bring our brokenness and our worship into God's presence at the same time. And she says that she knows that there is going to be a Messiah who, who has all the answers, who's going to set everything right. And that's Jesus. And as we bring all of these things, personal brokenness, societal brokenness, difficult histories, into the presence of Christ, they get dealt with. They get sorted out if we're willing to bring them. I'm sure most of us have broken situations in our lives or know people with broken situation in our lives. And if we look at what Jesus has said to this woman, that worship is not limited by the human boundaries we set up, that God is attentive no matter what people group we claim to belong to, no, no matter what flag we fly, no matter what tribe we, we give our allegiance to, that God, yes, is, is in our midst. He is with us. Jesus is present with us. But our worship is not limited by any of these human things that we've, we've established. That our worship is dis- dependent on the spirit and truth of who God is. As we bring this to Jesus and we, we submit ourselves to, to Jesus' presence, and as in Jesus' presence, our brokenness and our defensiveness and our, our man-made walls start crumbling and dissolve in the beauty of his presence, then our next step is to do what this woman has done which is to invite others into the presence of Jesus. Sometimes when we think about this, we we think about that E word, evangelism. And sometimes when we think of evangelism, uh, we, we tense up because we think that's something for people who are really good at talking or people who uh, are really outgoing. But let me tell you something. What evangelism is, is bringing people to the presence of Jesus. Because it's not by our human exertion that this happens. It's by the spirit and truth of God that transformation happens. The woman wasn't transformed because of Jesus' responses to her. She was ultimately transformed. The thing that, that set her running was finding out that because Because Jesus is the Messiah, he gave her all of these answers. That 
all of the dots were connected for her when Jesus said that he's the Messiah. And she went running to tell other people about it. We know people who are broken. We know people who are divided. We know people who need their walls torn down. And we know this happens in the presence of Jesus. And so we bring these people that we know to the presence of Jesus. And so often we think that means worship. We think church, we think worship, and so we think it means inviting them to a worship service. And that's not a bad thing to do. Or we think that it means just inviting them to a Bible study. And that's not a bad thing to do. But Jesus didn't encounter this woman at a worship service or at a Bible study. He encountered her at a well. He ran into her in a place where life just naturally happened at that time. And so think about where is Jesus present in your day-to-day life? I think a better question would be, where isn't Jesus present in our day-to-day life? Because Jesus is not constrained by our time and space. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, and wherever we go, Jesus is present. And so when we run into broken people, they are in the presence of Jesus. And so all we need to do is acknowledge that presence and acknowledge the brokenness and ask if people are are willing to, to let Jesus go to work. The woman goes and gets her whole village and brings them to meet Jesus. She goes and gets everyone and brings them to Jesus. And they ask Jesus to stay. And in the presence of Jesus, they discover that Jesus truly is the savior of the world. And when we continually extend an invitation into the presence of Jesus through our day-to-day lives, people will eventually come to see that Jesus is the savior of the world. Now, how do we extend that presence of Jesus? Especially right now when uh, physical distancing is, is happening for good reasons and we wear masks for good reasons. How do we extend this presence of Jesus into the world? Well, we still see some people. We still have to go get groceries. We still go to doctor's appointments. We still uh, do things like that. We still have people who are involved in our day-to-day lives, just maybe not in the same way they were a year ago. And imagine if you approached every place you went as being in the presence of Jesus. Imagine if, if every time you stepped into the grocery store, you realized that Jesus was present. You even prayed as you went in and asked Jesus to help you pay attention to his presence in the grocery store. How might that change things? Imagine when you you sit down with your family, whether they know Jesus or not, uh, and and acknowledge Jesus' presence. Acknowledge that Jesus is there. It may take time and it may take work, and that's okay. 
And we may not see immediate results as, as Jesus did in this story, and that's okay. Because all we're asked to do is to be faithful. All we're asked to do is respond to Jesus' presence and welcome other people into Jesus' presence. We don't know what happened ultimately to the woman at the well and to the people of the the village of Sychar. But what we do know, and and maybe the important thing is is that what we, we know about them is that they spent time in the presence of Jesus and they responded. They spent time in the presence of Jesus and their lives were changed for it. And I think as we look back, we're, we're finishing up. This is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany when we pay attention to how Christ is revealed in Scripture. And I think for all of the, the and rightfully so, all of the heroes of the faith that we have named in Scripture, it gives me tremendous hope to find out that it's ordinary people It's ordinary people who live ordinary lives, but ordinary lives attentive to and surrendered to the presence of Jesus, knowing that he is Savior of the world. And it's in these ordinary lives that Jesus is revealed. From wherever you've been Come broken hearted Let rescue begin Come find your mercy O sinner come kneel Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal Lay down your burden broken lift up your face oh wanderer come home you're not too far so lay down your hurt lay down your heart come as you are And all those who've strayed Come sit at the table Come taste the grace There's rest for the weary Rest that endures Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't cure So lay down your burdens Lay down your shame up your face, oh wanderer come home, you're not too far, so lay down your hurt, 
as you are, come as you are, fall in his arms, come as you are, there's joy for the morning, O sinner be still, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your We thank you for worshiping with us today, and it's our hope that as we have sung and prayed and and as God's word has been read and proclaimed, that it would have been done through the spirit and truth of God our Father, as revealed through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, as I'm recording this, it is dark and the power is out, and So I don't know when you'll be hearing this, but whenever you do, know that we're praying for you. Know that we are lifting you up in Jesus' name, and we hope that you're well. And as the the week goes on and as the power comes back on, uh, if you need to get in touch with us, you can email us at baptist.church at comcast.net. Or visit us on the internet if you still have power at onebaptistchurch.org. And you can reach out to us there through email or on the church telephone. And we'll be happy to minister you minister to you in the name of Jesus Christ whenever we're uh, able to do that. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>